Shopify grows your business no matter how far or big you grow. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your fans' next favorite shirt or an exclusive piece of podcast merch, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Frenchie is here. I wasn't supposed to be here this week, but I am recovering enough and combination of Frenchie having no power this morning for the IndyCar special guest. So it is Wednesday night, a little late. We're going to record this and it's going to go right into the published episode files. So thank you again to our friends at Java House for their continued support. And for your continued support for ordering Java House, I know there was an online order like yesterday. There's six loca- five, six locations in downtown Indy. I was actually just at a happy hour, literally across the street from their downtown location. If you're not in Indy, go to javahouse.com and use promo code PITLANE10 for 10% off your order. So, Frenchie, how are you? I'm doing pretty well, but more importantly, how, how are you recovering from uh, the replacement heart that you had to get put in? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been a, a tiring couple of days, but obviously I'm in one piece and you can kind of see like where they went in through my neck to put in the new heart. And yeah, it's very weird. So yes, I had a procedure done on Monday and they go in through your neck and they gave me like the, I don't know what it was, but it's like sort of this, the stuff you get when you get like a colonoscopy. So you're not like it's not anesthesia, but you're you're not really there. Oh, I thought you meant the laxative. <laughs> no, no, not that. Thank God. It was not that type of procedure. God, and... I was like, why do they need to do that for this one? <laughs> and so they gave you like one dose and then like the doctor walks in and he starts like prepping everything and, and whatnot. And then you, they give you a second one like right before they start. And so like I I was 
in and out of being awake. Like I was never, I might have slept for 10 minutes at one point in the 45 minute procedure, but I also didn't know what was going on to the point where I, I, I couldn't move my hands because they were like, you know, they, they had like used that like cleaning solution on my neck. They're like, if you have an itch, like tell us, don't touch it, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, cool. So my nose itched and I was like, hey, can you itch my nose? Also, when are they starting? And she was like, yeah, you're halfway done already. So, I mean, it was fine. You know, thankfully, Sam's mom took me since uh, Sam wasn't able to get out of work early. But, uh, yeah, between her mom taking me and, you know, Sam coming over and, and taking care of me Monday night, it was it was fine. I'm I'm in one piece, just a little, like, it feels like a hockey puck hit me in the neck right now. Like, it's like a little sore, but not, yesterday was much worse. Hey, this must be the fastest recovery from a heart transplant I've ever heard of. I'm superhuman, man. Would they give you, like, uh, the heart of a gorilla or something, or some kind of special animal? Yeah, yeah. A gorilla, yep, you nailed it. Or like a cobra or something, something super tough and, (laughs) like, really intense and dangerous. Yep, yep. So we have a little bit of IndyCar news to get to, and we might call it quits there at that point for the week since we got to keep some content for next week when there's probably not going to be too much IndyCar news. So, Frenchie, I'll let you take it away because you've got it it written down. Sure. So let's just start with Marcus Armstrong. We knew he was going to be in IndyCar in some form or fashion, but... I guess we didn't really call or predict that it was going to be Ganassi until the last minute, right? Yeah. We thought it was going to be somewhere else. I thought it was going to be somewhere else, and I was at lunch with somebody the day before where I had learned that it wasn't going to be uh, Dale Coyne, which I I guess at this point we can say it wasn't going to be Dale Coyne. Yeah. But we still didn't. Neither of us thought it was it was going to be Ganassi, so I definitely caught me a little off guard. Maybe Chip is going through extra special precautions at this point, just after what happened last season, just just to stay safe to make sure nobody poaches his drivers. Yeah, I could see that. But what do we think? Uh, we got another Kiwi in IndyCar. I honestly, I mean, I, I watched him a little bit in Formula 2, yeah. but don't know a ton about him. However, we've seen somebody in Christian Lundgaard who, I mean, was a winner in Formula 2, but wasn't like, you know, in the top three in the championship or anything. And he came yeah. over and really impressed in IndyCar. And I would say that, I mean, I, I would put at least based on his performance in F2, Marcus Armstrong's got to be around the same level, and he's going to be in even better equipment in a Ganassi car. So... We can expect big things on these road and street course tracks. And I, I don't know if you have any idea who's going to be in the car for the ovals. No. You know what? I, what's a bummer? Not a bummer. I wish it was TK. But at this point, yeah. you know, with him doing the at least the 500 with McLaren, you know, we can we can count that out. But TK back in the 11 car for the ovals would have been pretty cool. Even yeah, if the would've. 11 car back then was... You know, Andretti, but still, it would have been cool. No, agreed, especially because, I mean, what, he finished third for them in the 500 last year for Ganassi? Was it yeah. third or fourth or something? Like, it was, he was up top there. Top five. Yeah, it was top five. It was at least a top five. Yeah, so, I mean, 
I, I definitely thought that's where he was going to end up, but we'll yeah. have to see who ends up in that car for those just a couple of races. I'm, I'm excited to interview him and kind of get to know him a little bit because I don't. Yeah. You watch more F2 than I do. I, I can't usually bring myself to get up at 2 o'clock in the morning, and then I forget about the replays. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he he. I, how many races did he win? I'm going to look that up while we talk about this, but I am was just going to say that I think it's going to be somebody who is obviously an oval specialist, and I, I don't mean Ed Carpenter, even though he calls himself oh. that, um, oh. that's going to come back for the the oval courses for Ganassi. I don't know who that would be, but it's somebody who's got experience. I don't think they're going to just bring somebody else in. That wouldn't make sense, right? I mean, it's very specific discipline. Yes, correct. All right, so let's see. Marcus What's Armstrong next? is... Oh, his middle name is Cornelius, just for those who are interested. Um, he was oh, a member of the Ferrari okay. Driver Academy. We did know that. But he won how many races in f2 because i think lungard won like three races i want to say oh sure looks, totally it's like our yeah. our boy marcus armstrong won four races over Ooh. his three so he's immediately going to be better yeah he did three seasons in f2 his finish every single season was 13th in the championship all three <laughs> years and I mean, hey, he was on the podium a number of times, and he he won three races uh, this past season in 2022. So it's interesting that somebody who finished like 13th in the championship won three races. But I guess that just shows you it's pretty close in F2, much closer than in F1. Yeah, for sure. What's next? Next in the news, we have another European transplant that we did we did just missed this. Jamie Chadwick. Is oh wow yeah announced over here in indie next and i i'm saying that right thankfully and i think she's got dhl sponsorship in the she does she's driving for andretti which mm-hmm. i think is really cool i'm interested to see how she does yeah uh, i did some digging apparently her second test which was down in sebring went very well she was on pace with with everybody pretty much and you know so i'm i'm very interested to see how she does at some point soon, we should have an interview with her. I'm, I'm, I am in talks to get it scheduled, so that'll be cool. And yeah, DH getting you know a a prime sponsor like DHL to kind of jump down into Indie Lights is super cool. I'm still calling it Indie Lights, by the way. I'm not, I'm not uh, changing okay. that one. And so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see how she does next year. She seems from the press conference at least, and and the little I know, seems like uh, you know, she's got a good head on her shoulders. Yeah, and I I mean, this seems like the right move for her to make. Obviously, W Series went away, and F2 and F3 are probably extremely expensive. So why not go to probably the most competitive series besides, I don't know, Super Formula? An open-wheel series that you can get into, yep. and, and it's definitely Indy Lights, right? Or IndyCar. So hopefully she eventually makes it up to IndyCar. I, I, yeah, I hope she does well this season, because I think that will validate her... W series wins, even if she gets, you know, a sure. win or a few podiums sure. or something in Indy Next, it'll show that that talent transfers. Yeah, that's a really good point. Okay, so we got a lot of IMSA crossover stuff to get to because apparently 
I guess all, I mean, IndyCar drivers obviously overlap a lot with IMSA, but we're seeing a pretty large proportion of the field that's going to be taking part in IMSA next season, at least in the endurance races. But the first thing I want to get to kind of off the back of that Jamie Chadwick announcement, just related by the DHL sponsorship is Roman Grosjean has some deal with Lamborghini now. Yeah. What does this mean? Or what does this say for his future in IndyCar? He mentioned something about LMDH and that was a strange announcement. What did it sound weird to you at all? Yeah. So here's, here's my uneducated guess. I have put zero thought into this because I have didn't look at your notes previously i don't even know if he sent them to me you might have you might not have and that being said so he's gonna do what some gtd or gtd pro this year yeah and so you know then he's like yeah you know gtp or lmdh next year you know depending on which acronym you use if if he ends up in wec next year which i i think is what the announcement said or what he said on socials i don't know you know, there's there's not a ton of conflicts because WEC is pretty spread out throughout the year, but it's hard to imagine there's no conflicts. Which, if I'm going beyond that, his contract at Andretti is up after this coming after the 2023 season. So, listen, it's a stretch. You know, we're, it's way too early to make that determination, but. Would it shock me if he wasn't back in IndyCar or he was more limited next year? Probably not with Andretti, uh, but yeah, it wouldn't shock me. I'm kind of with you. I think maybe he expected it to go a little bit better right off the bat. And not that he's been bad by any means, but I don't think he's had the instant success that he expected. And so maybe he wants to just go off and try something new. And I know he did this yeah. whole move to the U.S. with his kids and everything, and he seems to be liking the U.S., but we'll see. I think all that's been really announced is that he's racing at Le Mans in 2024 in their hypercar entry run by some team called Iron Lynx. Uh, there's there's way too many teams. I, it, sports yeah. cars make my head hurt. But so he'll be... Uh, at the Daytona 24 in... Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix dissecting the the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato, and I'll catch you after the checkered flag. I'm Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. 
That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. A GT3 Lamborghini car, which I guess that's the Huracan GT3 still. Yeah. And then he'll be developing the new LMDH car, which is going to be in WEC and IMSA in 2024. All right. We, we shall see. Next up on our list, we also got news that Joseph Newgarden and Scott McLaughlin, the bus bros, are going to make their IMSA debuts together at the Daytona 24 in the Tower Motorsports LMP2 car, along with teammate Kiffin Simpson from the HMD Motorsports Indy Lights team, and he's also got an affiliation with Chip Ganassi, and then John Ferrano, who I believe is the, like, AM driver, technically, right? Right, right, right. In the LMP2, but he won the championship in LMP2 last season, so that's a pretty competitive lineup for them. And, I mean, we saw... IndyCar guys sweep the LMP2 class last year. So I think we're going to see that again, maybe? Yeah, probably. I think these two guys are going to be monsters in a sports car. It wouldn't shock me. I I, Listen, it's hard to... Anything can happen in a 24-hour race. Yes. So they could be monsters and come home with a 100th place finish. So, you know, but I see your point, and I hate I sounded super Debbie Downer there. I'm sure they will do just fine. No, but I, I think we're going to be impressed. Even if like, they don't get the result, that doesn't necessarily matter. I think Rossi was amazing in his time in the DPI class. I mean, Elio's been good. Pagano's been good. I guess Pagano had sports car experience, and so did yeah. Elio. But McLaughlin was able to jump from supercars to IndyCar and immediately pretty much find success, so... I'm not going to be surprised if they do well. Right. I agree. Renus is also back in LMP2. He is going to be driving for the TDS racing team in the number 11 car in LMP2 at the Daytona 24. He drove for them last year as well. Um, it was a TDS racing run car, but that was sponsored by, I guess, Racing Team Nederland. But I think Racing Team Nederland or Nederland, however you appropriately say it, uh, something happened with them, like a scandal it, with their. Did, didn't their CEO get like arrested or indicted for like fraud or something like that? Yeah, I don't remember exactly what the charge was, but something went yeah. down with him. So, I don't think that will be on the car anymore. No, I I don't think so. Was he the same guy who? I thought it was the same guy who basically was the CEO or one of the main owners of Jumbo which was that supermarket chain that was a sponsor of, like, Nick DeVries, right. Renus, like, all these kind of... I don't know that drivers. one. Okay. Yeah, that, that yeah. part I don't know. I don't remember either. But he's there. I guess so... We've got a lot of IMSA guys, and we're going to probably see more. Colton's obviously, I think, going to be driving in the BMW, right? Yeah, he's, he's at the test this week down there. Yeah, and then we've still got Simon, Elio. Who else? Scott Dixon. Yep. Um, I don't know if there's anybody else off the top of my head. I'm sure we're forgetting somebody. Did you say Devlin? Because Devlin will probably do the LMP2 again, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. with um, Who did he do it with last year again? With Pato? 
Yeah, Pato and I don't remember who the non-Indy car driver was or drivers were. That was for Zach Brown's team, right? United? Yeah, United All Sports. I don't remember. I, I, I was there, and I don't remember. Well, being up for 24 hours, we'll do that too, Guy. Correct. All right, let's get to these two last little items. We found out now who the sponsor is going to be on the number 10 car, and it's the American Legion. They're going to be the primary sponsor for Polo all season long, but we're going to see them also on Marcus Erickson's car, and then I guess in some way on Kiffin Simpson's car in Indy Next, Indy Lights. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's, again, really cool to see these sponsors branching out, especially on a non-Andretti car who you know seems to understand the value of the road to Indy more than any other IndyCar team. So it's cool to, to see it, it branch out, and I, I hope Kiffin can have a, a good year to, to get that sponsor up front and get them the recognition and in, in Indy Lights, and maybe then you'll see more sponsors do things like that. Yeah, I think it's cool to see American Legion just continue their association, right? I mean, they've been with Ganassi for a bit now. They were connected, what, to Jimmy Johnson for a while and Tony Kanaan. And now they're just continuing on the 10 car. So yeah. I, I like to see that when obviously we're, we were sort of concerned that there might be an issue, but not with, really with Ganassi, but when NTT Data jumped over to uh, Aaron McLaren. Right. Last little thing that I saved the most controversial for last, obviously, is that we found out, and probably I would say a little bit unsurprisingly, maybe just based on kind of the state of the world right now, that IndyCar has had to ditch their plans for the new 2.4 liter engine formula, and instead they're going to stick with that 2.2 format that they have right now and just add on the hybrid component to the existing engine. And I've seen people are all up in arms about this. They say it's like, oh, this is the nail in the coffin for Roger Penske. They're like really being dramatic about this stuff. And I mean, in all the articles that I've read and everything that I've heard, this is out of Roger Penske's control, right? This is, I've done my best to get a third engine manufacturer. Nobody seems to be biting. They're all jumping over to to LMDH or Hypercar, right? Yeah except maybe like Hyundai, who I don't even know what they're doing. Uh, there's rumors that they're going to be an F1 because Cyril Abitable just joined right. them, which is like, okay, that's a, that's a Did stretch. He really? Yeah, he's like their, one of their new guys. They just keep poaching people from other companies. Like, I think Hyundai yeah. or Kia's designer is like from the BMW M division or I, yeah, I don't know, yeah, something yeah. like that, whatever. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I don't think this is really as big of a deal as everyone's making it out to be. I mean, I understand that it's disappointing to have an announcement and get excited for an engine update, but will it make that much of a difference in the racing? Probably not. And I think the hybrid component is really all that's important for manufacturer relevance at this point. So Chevy and Honda seem to be satisfied that they're going to be able to add this hybrid component to the existing engine formula because they'll save money that way. Yeah, I don't really know where to start on this one. I think you know it's a little disappointing because we want a little more horsepower in those engines to spice it up a little bit. There's been some trouble kind of getting things off the ground on that front. So I, I get it. Is 
you know, the world going to end? No. Is IMSA going to overtake IndyCar? No. It's, you know, is IMSA or sports car racing exciting? Sure. Is it, you know, are they developing stuff for road cars? Of course. And it's not, not like IndyCar has amazing TV numbers or anything, but IMSA TV numbers outside of the Rolex and maybe, I don't know, Petit Le Mans at the end of the year are not not good. You know, some of them are, are just on Peacock only. More than just one is on, on Peacock only. So is it going to overtake IndyCar from a TV perspective? Probably not. So I just people people really flew off the rails this week with this one, and uh, that's fine if that's the approach you want to take. But there's there's a hybrid component coming, which should be nice. A year after that, or a year after that, we should have chassis updates starting. I mean, we have the attenuator piece starting this year. So listen, it's hard. You know, car stuff is super expensive right now. If you have to buy a car or buy a used car, so. It only makes sense that it's affecting manufacturers with a new engine that was going to cost five million plus. Why would why would any that wouldn't make any sense for any car to do that right now? So go read Marshall Pruitt's article or Jack about Benyans. or Jack Benyans. Thank you. I didn't know Jack wrote one. I'm sorry, Jack. Yeah, he put one out today. That was okay. also good. On the okay. race. Yeah. Listen, I got a new heart this week. You know, I'm I'm reading a little <laughs> slow. I can only can only read a couple things, but. You know, they, they describe why it's disappointing, but also why it makes sense. And then please step back from the ledge, stop screaming on the internet, and let's get ready for the 2023 season. I have one last thing I think I want to say about this, and that yeah. is that I know the people who probably listen to this podcast, because we know a lot of them, are the hardcore fans. Yeah. And so they're the ones who know what the engine is in the pack of an IndyCar, right? That have that knowledge that know of oh, this engine formula that we have right now has been running for years and they get excited about the new technology because that's something, you know, they're obsessed, right? These are the hardcores. For most people, the difference in what, 0.2 liters in an engine like displacement, you know, a new engine update doesn't matter. It's about the on-track product. And as long as we have a good on-track product and we have, like, interesting personalities, I think, personally, as long as the, like, manufacturers are willing to stay in and are committed, then an update in technology is a nice thing and something to get excited about for us, our little small niche group, yeah. but not for the rest of the world or the rest of people who casually watch IndyCar. Yeah, yeah, and... I mean, remember when we went to the Universal Aero Kit a couple of years ago, and you know, some of the oval racing hasn't been great. You run the risk of if you spend five, six million dollars an engine per engine, and then have bad racing on top of that, then you run a lot bigger risk than keeping with the same engine and innovating in a step by step basis, and maybe not innovating, but adding new things as the years go on here and maybe prices of things get a little bit under control going forward. So it's fine. The world is not ending. Yeah. And I'm sorry. IndyCar is prioritizing car count in this way. Basically this is that the reason why they're not moving forward with this is they could have, right. 
moved forward with the new engine formula. But basically Chevy and Honda said it's going to cost us this much money because we already spend more just because of what COVID did to the world and still supply shortages and all that kind of stuff. Sure. And if we don't, you know, basically if we have to spend this more money, then we can't supply as many engines because we have a limited budget. So IndyCar, I think, had to make a trade-off and say, listen, our series is gaining cars. We don't want to kick them out. So let's just go with the same engine formula so we can keep this 27 cars instead of, I think, I read that Honda and Chevy only wanted to maybe supply 10 engines each. Right. It's a trade-off. Yeah, this, this is a way that, yeah. Yeah, let's just leave it at that. Fair enough. Well, everybody... If you're on the ledge, please get off the ledge. We will talk you through these difficult, dark winter months and get you ready for the 20. That Third Eye Blind song, isn't it? uh, Jumper, right? I I don't know Third Eye Blind that well, no. Uh, Okay. Somebody out there will hopefully know it. Yeah. Yeah, somebody else out there with with Third Eye Blind music enjoyment can can help you with that one. I only know that, like, semi-charmed life, whatever that song is called. Oh, the one about doing meth? Sure, totally. Didn't didn't know that one either. Yeah, yeah that's Which one probably of those... yeah probably save that for for not a public podcast episode. <laughs> Everyone, you can look that up on the internet. Like it's it's yeah, public knowledge. I'm sure. Anyway, for those listening on Thursday, tune into the Bell Racing HQ Instagram and Facebook if you want to see me. I don't know why you would, but I'll be interviewing a number of Bell Helmet athletes over the next couple days thursday and friday some nhra guys sprint car guys uh, alex rossi and ben peterson on friday Uh, maybe one or two getting added to my list but go to the plp twitter if you want the full list it's it's on there from tuesday i believe so that'll be thursday and friday so check it out if you want if not well you're silly so Everybody, have a lovely weekend of being cold. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning or have never even heard of paddle, or padel, as it's called in North America, This is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with the Pro Tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Vamos!